Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and this is another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story of what's happening in and around the transit industry. Excited to be with you for our first episode of the month of March 2021. Well, today's going to be an exciting episode. We've got some big headline news for you, and then a newsmaker interview with Pierre Holloman, who's Assistant Transit Bureau Chief at the Arlington Department of Environmental Services Depart- Division of Transportation. Uh, and then we're going to head into uh, Alea Carey's messaging minute and uh, Mike's kindness minute, Mike's minute, and then a look at the future of public transportation. All that within 30 minutes here on the nation's and the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. Well, look at our headline news. Here in the United States, the U.S. House of Representatives has passed the American Rescue Plan and sent the measure to the Senate. That was done this last weekend. House Resolution 1319 passed by a 219 to 212 vote, sending the measure to the Senate. The emergency relief package provides $30.5 billion in relief funding to transit agencies nationwide and $1.5 billion to the rail provider Amtrak. The transit funding included in the bill would flow with about $26 billion for grants to urbanize areas. That's the 5307 funds. And then $50 million for grants to seniors and persons with disabilities. That's the traditional 5310 program. $280 million for grants to rural areas, 5311. $100 million uh, with some extra grants to 5311F funds. $2.2 billion for additional assistance to maintain operations through applications to the DOT secretary. These would be grants that were people the secretary would evaluate grant requests based on the level of financial need demonstrated. That would include future financial need to maintain service, uh, as well as um, those that have not been replaced by funds made available from other grants. And then $1.68 billion for additional SIG support. That's FTA's 5309 program. They'll be um, evaluating the grant requests in there as well. So big news coming out of Washington. The federal government uh, may be putting out a third tranche of funds to transit agencies. You'll recall that there was, you know, the initial tranche of funds in the Early Cares Act uh, of $25 billion and then $14 billion around Christmas time, and now a third tranche of funds for the transit industry, basically trying to help make up for the lost revenues from lost ridership with an understanding of the federal government's role. And it looks like it may be able to pass the Senate. They may end up not uh, including the minimum wage hike to $15 an hour since the Senate parliamentarian ruled that would be inappropriate for the budget mechanism that they're using to do this, a Budget Reconciliation Act. So it may have to go back to the House if it passes the Senate uh, for a final vote with any changes that the Senate makes before it goes to the president for signature. In other news, the big news around uh, the nation and the world now is vaccinations for COVID-19. And transit agencies are wanting to move to the front of the line. As Mohammed Mezgani, the UITP Secretary General said, as we see COVID-19 vaccination plans being implemented around the world, we're pleased that the public transport workers are being included within the priority groups of several countries. Those working within the sector have shown how essential they are to keeping our cities moving. And it's welcome news to hear of a growing number of our international members being involved in offering the vaccine to their staff as well. And of course, uh, here in the United States, the CDC has recommended that uh, states allow transit workers to be moved into Group 1B. And and that is happening in several states in my own home state of Maryland. Uh, The Maryland Transit Administration, where I used to serve as CEO, 
just announced this uh, late this last weekend that they've launched a vaccine clinic for its employees and the state plans to set aside 500 vaccines per week for MTA drivers, mechanics, and other frontline workers. Uh, Kevin Quinn, who's the administrator, said we began vaccinating our employees a few weeks ago and today marks the first day our on-site clinic uh, has been vaccinating employees and this will con continue throughout the next few weeks. So they're doing it here in Maryland. They're also doing it in places like Singapore. A program to provide the COVID-19 vaccine to their almost 80,000 workers started at the end of January where uh, the Land Transport Authority began working with the Ministry of Health to offer the vaccination to their public transport employees. Employees of the bus and train operators were included within the first group of 12,000 workers offered the vaccine. In Russia's capital of Moscow, several thousand employees have received the COVID-19 with up to 500 public transport workers being vaccinated every day. In Dubai, uh, where we've had the uh, CEO of Dubai Transport Authority on our program as a guest, they've already vaccinated 20,000 of their employees with the aim to see all their employees vaccinated along with their immediate families. Um, and it's happening around the world. Here back in, the, uh, in North America, the North American Transit Alliance, uh, which represents contractors, has sent letters to most of the governors across the country uh, asking them to put transit workers in one of the first groups to get uh, the vaccine. So that's been uh, a big push now, making sure that transit workers who are on the frontline troops and also, in many cases, delivering service to the most vulnerable populations through paratransit operations and senior citizen transportation, those who uh, also are in line to get the vaccine, you want to have their drivers having had the vaccine too, is the thought behind that. Well, that's it for the headline news for today. Now stay tuned for Lay Carey's Messaging Minute and then our Newsmaker interview with Pierre Holloman from the Arlington Department of Environmental Services Division of Transportation. Thanks for being with us today on Comfort's Corner. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. For the last few Comforts Corners, I've been talking about social media platforms and how transit organizations can get the most out of them. Today's topic, my favorite, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a careers and professional network. It's the place you wanna post your agency's jobs and make your organization look really attractive as a place to work. But something different about LinkedIn has been emerging in the last year. Sure, people used to network and share ideas on it before, but that sharing has become a lot more passionate and connected. People seem to be talking more about their values and their personal experiences and how that's made them wanna do the work they do. I think this is a pandemic phenomenon as if LinkedIn has replaced the conversations we used to have when we were doing in-person networking, but I don't think it's gonna go away. To get the most out of LinkedIn, transit agencies should certainly be using its job posting aspects but there's another more courageous way to use it too. And that's to encourage your transit careerists to share and network and talk with their peers on the platform. Sure, if your employees start showing up looking like stars, they might get courted by another organization. But I think the sharing of ideas and getting best practices from others is worth it. If you'd like to talk more about LinkedIn or anything else related to communications and public transit, Look me up on, where else? LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, 
last name C-A-R-E-Y. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort, your host, and this is another episode of Comfort's Corner. And today we're excited to have with us on our Newsmaker Hotline, Pierre Holloman, who is Assistant Transit Bureau Chief for Arlington County, Virginia, Northern Virginia, suburb of Washington, D.C. Pierre, thanks so much for being with us today on the program. All right, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Pierre and I were talking recently, and, uh, you know, in the wake of the coronavirus, so many agencies in the APTA survey, the American Public Transportation Association survey, said that they would most likely, and they were stalling some of their capital projects because of the funding reductions that were coming through with reduced sales tax, reduced passenger revenue, et cetera. But many agencies continue to move forward with major projects. And I wanted to highlight uh, some of those here uh, in Arlington County and talk about how they're funded and how they came to be. Uh, And I think it's a great um, template for transit agencies across the country and the world to take a look at what's happening in Arlington. So thanks so much for being with us today, Pierre, to tell us some about them. Yes, um, so we have a pretty robust capital program itself. Uh, We have over a half billion capital projects that we are tasked to deliver. Um, Some of the more of the, say, challenging as well as the more um, interesting ones that we have going right now is that we're trying to build an operations and maintenance facility on three acres of land. Um, that particular project is, uh, I'll say, challenging mainly because it's only three acres of land. However, we're trying to cram a lot of different things. Uh, we have uh, historically been a smaller agency, but we have grown significantly since our foundation in 1998. Um, and as a result, we are trying to ground the base within Arlington County. Uh, we are looking to continue the project. We are in design at this moment, and our goal is to open up the facility by calendar year 2025. Um, and how many, what will be there? How many buses, those kinds of things? So we're looking to um, anywhere between 68 to 72 buses or potentially more if we can cram some in. Uh, we'll have a maintenance facility with eight maintenance bays. Um, the facility is going to be designed to accommodate electrification of our fleet, as well as feature an operation center uh, over top of our maintenance bays, as including an admin facility that will be separate radio out. So what we have is actually three parcels of land and the three parcels are also separated by a channel, a stream channel. Um, So that makes it a little bit more complicated and trying to, you know, three acres of land with a stream channel in the middle, uh, engineering on it as well as the design itself is a focal point. Uh, We've had quite a number of public meetings so far. We're gonna continue the public process because we wanna make sure that the public uh, provides their feedback um, as we are an te- integral point of the community itself. Well, it's exciting that you're continuing to move forward with this project. Uh, and what's your role as Assistant Transit Bureau Chief in these capital projects? So I serve in some cases as the project manager. Um, so for the art operations and maintenance facility itself, I am the project manager and co-project managing with another pilot part, Mr. John Muir. Um, and also I looked at into more of the oversight. So providing more feedback and design, looking at how the facility is going to be constructed and also how it's going to be made, be maintained once we do open up the facility itself. Um, and the funding aspect as well, you know, looking at all of the you know pieces and trying to incorporate in pl- a plan so that we can actually have enough funding to actually deliver the project. Uh, we have many sources of funds for all of our projects, including local funds. We have 
funds from the Commonwealth of Virginia, from the Department of Rail and Public Transportation, as well as we receive regional funds from the Northern Virginia Transportation Authority. And all of the sources um, provide us with uh, availability to deliver these projects and continue these projects going forward. That's good. Yeah, I wanted to highlight that. I'm glad you brought that out. The idea being that the way to make some of these projects move forward when you maybe one stream of funding is reduced is to spread the funding over multiple agencies if you're able to do so, in addition to the capital funds you may be getting uh, to help the project uh, come to completion and fruition. The other project I wanted to focus on was a big one. A lot of folks will remember um, it wasn't that long ago when there was a big competition going on here in the United States about where Amazon uh, the big um, company would place their next second headquarters, their H2Q project. And your region was awarded one of that location. Is that right? So tell us about that a little bit and what you all are doing uh, to help make that a reality. So, yes. Yeah, so Amazon is part of the HQ2 uh, uh, award. Uh, Arlington was the winner. And uh, Amazon currently is constructing uh, two new headquarters. Uh, buildings in the National Landing section of Arlington. And we have two projects that were always on our books in our capital improvement program. However, uh, with the Amazon decision, it did provide us with the availability to actually put those projects forward even quicker. Um, so for uh, one particular project, which is uh, integral, is the transitway extension to Pentagon City. Um, that particular project is a continuation project of a prior project, which was completed back in 2014, as well as in 2016. Uh, the transitway itself is a joint venture between the city of Alexandria, um, Arlington County, as well as the Department of Rail and Public Transportation and WMATA. Uh, the project itself is a five mile corridor, which provides service on one of the, uh, what would say, more of the, one of the corridors that is uh, growing um, in terms of the Route 1 corridor as far as development, as well as providing uh, links to many key areas along the corridor. So with Amazon coming on board, um, there's the Virginia Tech Innovation Campus in the city of Alexandria, as well as the Inova, Inova Hospital facility that's coming online. Um, so this overall will provide a direct connection um, and dedicated transit areas so that individuals along the corridor can access these facilities um, seamlessly. Um, th for the Transitway Extension Project itself, we're building dedicated transit lanes as well as stations um, to connect that last section between the Crystal City section of Arlington to Pentagon City um, along Crystal Drive and 12th Street. Um, so this particular project, it's uh, one of it's to my heart because that was one of the first projects that when I came on board with the county um, that I was thrown into. So I'm really looking forward to it. And we hope to have that completed by April of 2023. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Pierre, for being with us today and kind of showing us how that even though we are uh, in the midst of the, a global pandemic and public transit has really taken uh, a hard hit when it comes to ridership, and some agencies have said they're going to pause their capital projects. I think your agency there uh, at Arlington County Transit, um, commonly known, the, the buses are known as art buses, uh, but you all have shown that you can continue to make these projects happen when you find multiple funding sources, and especially when you're partnering with a private sector partner uh, that 
is going to bring jobs and economic development. It's a good lesson, again, for our political leaders to show them that public transit really is key to the economic development and the recovery of our economy coming out of COVID. Yes, thank you. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about mentorship, leadership, and kindness with the hopes that will inspire you to pay it forward. As we continue to look at how these three qualities align, we can all look around us and identify someone we rely on, trust, or want to emulate, or simply just appreciate. Work interactions and peer relationships are interesting. There are opportunities to learn from every interaction, as well as share if the opportunity presents itself. Over the years, I've personally seen how all three of these traits interact with one another. Many of the mentors or great leaders I have had are inherently kind, always willing to share their experience, point out opportunities for improvement, and most of all, help install a sense of confidence in the journey. And just recently, I was fortunate enough to experience this firsthand. I was lucky to cross paths with a new individual a couple years ago whom I hadn't prior met. I was impressed by their passion, professionalism, and constant willingness to discuss the project and team success that we were working on together. We also shared many similar interests outside of work in terms of giving back. We've grown our work interaction into a great friendship as well and lost many evenings talking about ways to make a difference. While I was overwhelmed when I found out that person also felt the same and unbeknownst to myself, had nominated me for the 2020 Savita Shaw Award through the Mahatma Gandhi Foundation based on my passion for random acts of kindness and trying to make a difference. I'm super excited to tell you that I was selected as a recipient of the award last week. An amazing honor and to be honest, very emotional and still overwhelming. But what it means most to me is that the message of kindness is cool is being heard and hopefully continues to inspire others to make a difference. A reminder that every day is an opportunity to change someone's tomorrow. Thanks, Dinesh, forever grateful, and kindness is cool. Join us April 26 to 28 for virtual Think Transit. This three-day conference will feature powerful keynote sessions from industry leaders, live demos of our new and innovative solutions, and takeaway resources you'll be able to apply at your transit agency. You'll network with over 500 professionals and learn industry trends, all from the comfort of your home or office. Registration is now open. Visit trapezegroup.com slash thinktransit to register today. Thanks for being with us today on Comfort's Corner, part of the Transit Unplugged podcast family. Every week on Wednesday, we bring you a brand new podcast with either an in-depth interview with a transit executive from around the world or the Comfort's Corner version, which has a shorter interview with someone who may not be a CEO, but is a breaking news newsmaker in the transit industry, as well as a look at headline news and a look at the future of public transportation, which is the segment of this podcast we are on today. Hopefully you've enjoyed our great in-depth interviews we had with Sir Peter Hendy, who is chair of UK Network Rail, and Anne Graham, the CEO of Ireland's National Transport System. Uh, They were our guests for the month of February on Transit Unplugged. And then a look ahead into the future of Transit Unplugged in-depth interviews. David Kim, who is Secretary of Transportation for the state of California, will be our guest on the 10th of March. And Tilly Chang, 
is the executive director of San Francisco's Transportation Authority. She is going to be our guest on the 24th of March. So our uh, month of March will be California-based transit executives. And hopefully you enjoyed our interview today with our newsmaker, Pierre Holloman. Uh, a couple things happening in the transit world when it comes to conferences. Several big conferences are moving, hopefully later this year, to in-person. But for now, it looks like for the first half of the year, conferences will remain virtual. I'm going to be the keynote speaker at a couple of these conferences. One of them is the Virtual Think Transit Conference this year. That's Trapeze's annual technology conference. It'll be held April 26th through the 28th. Three full days of great transit content, including five tracks and keynote sessions from some of the nation's leading transit executives and leaders. And I'm excited to be the keynote speaker for day three of that conference. If you'd like to register, just Google Trapeze Group Think Transit and you'll be taken to our website or trapezegroup.com forward slash Think Transit. You can register for the conference there to attend. I'm also excited to be the keynote speaker for Mass Transit Magazine's The Passenger Experience, The Future of Travel. That'll be held March 23rd through 24th coming up, a virtual learning and networking event. You can register now uh, and uh, at Mass Transit Magazine's Passenger Experience, The Future of Travel Conference. The, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic really has affected the world in ways unimaginable just a short time ago. The brutal hit to the psyche of the globe is still reverberating. As governments grapple to handle this once in a millennia crisis, they clamp down on social gatherings and limited work on site opportunities to those deemed essential workers. Thus professional white collar office employees began to work from home and then shops, museums, restaurants, movie theaters, barbers, and just about every other commercial and nonprofit service was cut to very limited service or shuttered completely for months. The pandemic delivered what I like to call a gut punch to the public transportation industry, along with state and local governments. Remember, we were riding high in 2019. We saw transit ridership gains for the first time in nearly a decade. Transit agencies, but were caught flat-footed uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic and the attendant government-mandated shutdowns. Public transportation ridership, as you know, across the globe, plummeted 50 to 90% with the highest declines affecting commuter trains and buses. Cities reacted by reducing transit service to meet the lower demand and reduce capacity on vehicles and stations to permit social distancing. Then they added new tech tools like real-time bus occupancy, passenger information, and began to experiment with new services like microtransit, uh, on-demand multi-passenger service to meet the niche mobility needs since regular routes were reduced. Revenues also dropped precipitously as many transit services moved to rear door boarding and wave fare collections. Additionally, transit agencies had to ramp up their cleaning protocols, so these costs went up. City sales tax and local income taxes and other revenues declined because of the business shutdowns and people not riding transit as much. Federal governments in the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, and other countries stepped up with special operating funding that we've talked about earlier on today's episode that helped underwrite many of these losses. But major transit agencies have burned through their cash quickly, covering uh, the service, and local governments were grappling with increased demands on their health departments and social services. Now, trend analysis appears to show that professional workers may never return to their jobs in the cities on a daily basis. So the peak demand curve for commuter trains and buses may remain flat for the foreseeable future. Accordingly, transit agencies are reevaluating service delivery models. Correctly evaluating and serving these new emerging travel patterns will be key for transit agencies to remain relevant and rebound. A 
although the picture might be different than we would have hoped for, with strong, fresh approaches from leadership and political support, agencies can reposition their transit services to meet the new levels and types of demand and provide more customer-focused, technology-driven mobility, which can attract and retain riders. How exactly will transit agencies create programs that encourage innovation and think about service delivery differently? How will local governments meet the extraordinary demands of the public on them for vaccines, for subsidies, and services in a low-touch environment? Well, I believe they need to reprioritize, regroup, and rebound. Will the existing management structure be able to help provide this new approach, or will new leaders step up to take the helm? Certainly, the existing leaders are using an all-hands-on-deck approach to this unprecedented crisis, so it's an opportunity for those who are willing to step up. And I'm taking an opportunity to write another book about that coming soon your way, which will be about how leaders can take charge and pull us out of this pandemic and lead into this new, uh, new world, which we have now coming out of COVID. I'll be telling you more about it in the weeks and months to come. For today, that's it. Thanks for being with us today on this edition of Comfort's Corner. Transit Unplugged, if it's Wednesday, it's Transit Unplugged. Transit Unplugged.